Wolfpack ain't for soft, it ain't for soft people. There's a plane waiting for you to take in St. Louis? Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't have to tell you people. We got better tonight. I mean, that's a triple play. You know, it's welling up inside of you, so get it out. It's therapeutic. I'm listening. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. It's Joe Giglio, your host of Pack Therapy, and I am listening. And for the fourth straight game, I'm listening after a win. NC State improves to 2-0 in the ACC with an important road win over Boston College, 33-7 on Saturday night. After NC State beat Clemson two weeks ago, Dave Doran said the Wolfpack was the best effing team in the ACC. You can't say that and then lose at Boston College. Before I get to a great interview with The Wolf, former NC State safety Earl Wolf, I just wanted to go over a few points from the Boston College win. And as always, thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for making the Pack Therapy Couch possible. We have a new episode each Monday. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find every episode on WRALsportsfan.com. Please subscribe or follow us so you don't miss an episode. And five stars only. The Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. No mosquitoes, no pests, no contracts, guaranteed. If you're in the Triangle, Sandhills, or Fayetteville, please check them out at bugsbite.com. All right, so let's go over a few points from this win over Boston College. Is it me, or is NC State finally starting to catch a few breaks? I I know you guys are NC State fans who are listening. I I know why you're here. And yes, the name of it is Pack Therapy, and there's a reason for all of that. But don't look now, but it feels like this NC State football team might have some. And if we're into signs or we're into reading the tea leaves, I thought in Saturday night's win over Boston College, let's start with the beginning. Devin Carter's circus catch on the opening drive, that was one of them. That could have easily bounced off the defensive back's shoulder, back, any number of places, but it didn't. Devin Carter was able to make a great catch and give NC State a 7-0 lead. Then right before the half, there was another catch, or not a catch, by receiver Armeka Amizi that could have been a potential fumble. I never thought he had control of the ball, um, and obviously replay agreed with me, but that was a sequence that led to three points for NC State that easily, we've seen this before, uh, could have been ruled a fumble, and Boston College takes over there. So that was another break for the Wolfpack on Saturday night in Chestnut Hill. And then if we're going to go all the way and lean in on the signs... I did not think the biggest one was the drop snap by the BC punter in the third quarter, which, let's be honest, that swung the game in NC State's favor. The biggest sign to me was when Tanner Engel and Derek Pitts collided before that punt snafu by BC, and it actually looked like Engel's was legitimately hurt. Turns out it was just a bruise. Engel came back in the game, crisis averted. Look, given how seasons can turn on injuries, and, and let's not forget NC State's missing their best player, in linebacker Peyton Wilson, that's the kind of small thing that adds up over the course of a season for a program that's in pursuit of its first ACC title in 42 years. And make no mistake, to paraphrase Tyrion Lannister, NC State is in the great game now. This isn't about the Bitcoin Bowl or sneaking into Shreveport or ruining Carolina's season or just miraculously knocking off Clemson. NC State has a legitimate shot, maybe even the inside track, at winning the Atlantic Division for the first time. But truly, it is one week at a time. Because based on how the AC season has played out thus far, anyone can beat anyone. 
Dave Doran's comments after the game, though, about a championship team not letting up, especially the way that NC State played in the third quarter, that's actually the best sign from the Wolfpack win. Joining me this week on Pack Therapy is Earl Wolf. Played safety at NC State 2008 through 2012. It was a fifth-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2013. Played in the NFL. I feel like it's like a pattern now. I keep talking to these safeties, Brandon Bishop, Jarius Moorhead, but now the one and only Wolf. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I top this, Earl. How do, how do I do that? Oh, man, I, I, it's really – humbly, um, I, really don't, I really don't know if that's possible. Um, but thank you for having me. It's a blessing to be here, man. Um, I'm happy just to talk, you know, talk football, talk life. Uh, man, you know, it's been, it's been a long road, but a great road. I have no complaints, man. So you're down in Miami now. You're actually a trainer. You're doing some life coach work, which I want to get into. Uh, but first, okay. I, I want to ask you about this current NC State team because your friend and my friend Brandon Bishop had remarked on an earlier episode of Pack Therapy that Tanner Engel NC State safety really reminds him of you, of Earl Wolf. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, and I didn't even think of it in those terms. I, because you were a guy who made so many plays, um, leading tackler. I think all all three or four years that you played, that you were in the lineup, you were the leading tackler. You you had a great career at NC State, a productive career at NC State. Obviously, you don't get to the NFL by accident. I didn't equate Tanner's game to your game, but I'm curious from your perspective when you watch Tanner Engel and, and the way that he plays, does he remind you of the way that you played? I'm going to tell you this a crazy story. So people, a lot of, I don't think nobody knows this story unless Tanner probably tells them or I tell them. Okay. So when Tanner was in high school, before he committed, because I think he had committed, he committed to Tennessee first. So And then they fired their coach. He ended up, and I ended up sticking to him. He, they had committed to NC State. You know, not saying I was, I was like the main reason he committed to NC State, but I feel like I had some type of uh, I kind of persuaded him to a certain extent of why he should come to NC State. Okay. Um, also. And you um, were in so, Florida, and he played high school football in Florida. Yeah, so okay. it's crazy. I was I was still training. I gave uh, Jarvis Williams a J-pop, you know, a great, who, had a, who had a pretty good career, too, at receiver yeah. at NC State. I was in Orlando, and I called him, like, hey, bro, I'm traveling for, like, five days, but I got to stop. I'm in Orlando. I got to get a workout in. Uh, you have somebody I can get a workout with. He's like, yeah, sure. So I, uh, he gave me the guy's contact. I go there, and it's me and a kid, right? And me and this kid is working out. I'm like, yo, this kid is, like, just his mindset and his mentality. I loved it. Like, quiet, didn't say too much, but worked his tail off. Reminded me of me in regards to work ethic, you know, uh, at that time and point, you know, especially when I was that age. So I, I kind of talking to him a little bit. You know, he didn't, never even t- he didn't tell me, like, he had offered anything. But I'm like, yo, he's, this kid is skilled. He's talented. He's somewhat keeping up with me to a certain extent, you know. And we were like, we're like pulling sleds, doing little stuff, you know. And then I, his, his dad came out, and then I spoke to his dad. Oh, yeah, he has offers here, here, here. I'm like, wow, like, I didn't even know, you know. Um, and the man kind of, we spoke. Uh, uh, I got the contact info. and up following him on, like, Twitter at that time and uh, Instagram. And I saw he had committed to Tennessee. Well, he was committed to Tennessee. And then I said, NC State fired the coach. Well, not NC State. Tennessee fired the coach and ended up, you know, considering NC State and committed to NC State. So, of course, I'm watching this. As I watch this kid play till today, I'm like, yo, he goes in the tackle. He's fearless. Like, head in there every time. He wants you to feel him. I'm going to tell you, the part of my mind with him is, yeah, of course, you know, his, his tackling, also his energy. Like, his energy. You know, a couple games I I even put on Twitter. He come in, he'll come in and try to kill somebody. I'm like, yo, I love how you set like setting the tone was always something I had a mentality and mindset for. I'm a, like, if nobody's gonna set the tone, I'm gonna set the tone. Right. I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna try to take somebody's head off. I'm gonna set the tone. I'm gonna bring the energy each 
in every game, even at practice, each and every day. I'm going to bring that energy. I'm going to bring the passion. And I'm going to show people my game. I'm going to show people my gameplay because of just how much energy I bring and how fearless I am and how, like, you know, with me, effort was everything, you know. If I'm, if I'm on one side of the field, the guys the guy might break out one side of the field, my, I'm going to make that tackle. My, my mom says, you're not going to outrun me. You're not going to outwork me. I'm going to go get it. And when I go get it, you, like, I want you to know I'm there. And I feel like Tanner has a similar mindset and definitely uh, a similar mentality. Is that more difficult for him because the way the rules have changed in football, both college football and the NFL? Like your career at NC State, there was still a little bit more violence, if Lenient. you will. Yeah. Or lenience. Yeah. yeah, that's a better word for it. Yeah. Um, do you think it's more difficult for a for for him and to have that mentality when really the game has changed so much and how the, the defenses kind of have been restricted. A hundred percent. Because I've seen him get penalized multiple times. And I'm like, ah, man. Even going back to thinking of how I tackled, I would have I been kicked out a couple games for sure. Sure. You know? <laughs> so I've seen him get penalized a lot, you know, which I feel like, you know, you have to alter your, your gameplay. Um, you alter your play, kind of alters just how you play the game in general, you know? So I've seen him get penalized multiple times, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, like he can't even play full speed as he, you know, as he should be able to, you know, because of how the rules are. So it's I can only imagine how difficult it is for him. NC State's four and one on the year. They go and take on Boston College. Let's go. And I'm I'm curious when you watch them. And you see the the Clemson win. You guys had a great win um, over Clemson in 2011 at home. Did did it bring back those type of memories for you, or was it you were really happy for this group and now the opportunity that's in front of them? So me and David Emerson actually live together. You know, I'm one of my best friends. You know, we watched that Clemson game together. And when kicker missed that kick, I'm like, no way. Flashback <laughs> to Clemson. Yes. Of course, you know. But then, you know, we ended up winning the game – a huge one that definitely me and him was in the house. You would have thought me and him what? Me and the house jumping around, going crazy, hype, you know. But that definitely that one definitely reminded of us of the Clemson one and the Florida State one. You know, mm-hmm. we beat Florida State at home in, in, in 2012. And most importantly, what I see with this NC State team is I finally I have to say finally I'm, I'm gonna say finally, you know I see them have an identity. You know, an identity, um, and that's something I feel like. Every team, you know, which is important to every team. I feel like battle to every like great team, especially in college football, in the professional level, you know, in every level you're at is that identity and that confidence. You know, confidence is everything. And with them being Clemson, truly feel like the sky's the limit for this team and they're gonna only get better and better and better. And I'm super excited. Every time I watch I, I watch I watch every week. Um and I'm super excited to see uh, where this thing finishes off. At the risk of bringing up some bad memories, but this is pack therapy. Uh, your 09 team and your 11 team both lost at Boston College. What is so difficult about going up there and playing? <laughs> it's like quiet. <laughs> especially like, especially when I was there. And what also I see is like, they got like, we always talked about, you know, Carter Finley and like have, make sure we had the Carter Rock in every home game. And I felt like we were so used to that natural energy. Whenever we went to Boston College, it was like quiet. Boston College always has been, to me, underrated because they're a hard-nosed yeah. football team, always. Physical Good team, linemen, can run the football. Physical, yeah. running back, always. That's if They didn't have anything else, they've always had that, you know. And I felt like we put off energy so much, you know. Even when I was there, it was, we'll go up there ranked and we'll lose, you know. Right. And we'll lose. Because they're going to bring it. One thing, one thing you will not, I feel like, come to Boston College, you could not never say they are a physical team. If they're not great, they have a, even if they have a terrible record, they're physical. 
you know, they're physical and they're going to bring it. And I feel like we went there, we got, even with Coach Brown, was they, they, they out-physicaled us, you know, they, they outplayed us physically. And I said, just the energy isn't there, you know. Like, it's like not great energy. It's not like amazing energy. Sometimes it's cold, you know. We're not, it's just, and it kind of takes us a while to kind of start up, you know. By that time, we, we lost the game, you know. Yeah. But I feel like, this team even has a different identity than we had, you know. Um, we struggled. We in my whole career, we struggled away games. Home, I felt like we could be anybody. Literally, I don't care who you are coming in the, uh, our house. You come to the corner. I don't care what our record is. We can re- we're like we'll beat you, you know. But away it was that. I don't, I don't think this team has that type of. I don't think they, I don't think they had that kind of issue, you know. Um, and because they beat Clemson, they're on their high horse right now. I see them going into Boston College and potentially it being a blowout. That's a good thing I have to say about them for sure. Right, let's talk a little bit about your your life after NC State. Taken yeah. by the Eagles in the fifth round in thirteen. Did you feel like at any point in your NFL career that you were healthy after after I tore my PCL in my first year? Yeah. Uh, nah, never, never, never got back healthy. Honestly, nah. Because I tore it. That story. I don't know. A lot of people don't know the story. So you know, in two thousand and thirteen, of course, I get drafted to Philly, fifth round. I actually was injured then, you know. Uh, my shoulder wasn't feeling the best. Um, I had shoulder issues the whole time, I, honestly, in my in my career at NC State. Mm-hmm. I played with a torn rotator cuff all 2010, which a lot of people don't know. Literally, second week, I played with a torn rotator cuff, and it, I retore it every year. Just tackling, you know, just literally just playing fast and physical, tore it every year. So, one to the NFL combine, my, my shoulder was torn. Uh, one of the draft, my shoulder was torn, you know. And I, that's why I went, and I was projected to take some third round pick. That's why I went fifth, you know, which I don't, I don't, I don't care where I go. Right. I'm a so why I should be why, why you want me in your team, you know? So I go there in 2013. Uh, I remember Harry Roseman told me, "Hey Earl, you know we're gonna have your special teams maybe the first two years. We bought in a lot of guys. I ended up starting week three. You know, started seven games and then tore my PCL and my knee literally, and they forced me back to play. I told him I wasn't ready. Forced me back week like 15 against the Bears. Then I tore the the popliteus muscle behind my knee um, and re-aggravated my PCL. Didn't play the rest of that year." And my knee literally never got better. You know, I got the major surgery the next year, but I was hurt I, that year. So 2014, I got five MRIs. They kept telling me nothing was wrong with me. Really, nothing is wrong. I couldn't do a I couldn't do a body weight lunge without pain. I couldn't do a squat. I couldn't squat 130. I couldn't squat 135. Right. But I played set, what six? I played like up to nine games. You know, well I played six games. I didn't play two because of my knee. I just I literally it'd be days where I barely could walk. Literally barely could walk. You know, I wouldn't practice those days, and then I wouldn't play. You know, I couldn't even practice, and so I ended up having a like a. I ended up meet, I just walked into Chip Kelly's office, like almost in tears. Honestly, like, hey, Chip, hey, Coach, this is the issue. He's like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, the doctor say you're doctor say you're fine. I said, uh, and I explained him the same. I explained to you, I can't do a, I can't do a body weight lunge. I can't do a body weight squat. I'm not fine. Yeah. He sent me to see Dr. Andrews, and then that's when Dr. Andrews was like, Earl, your your knees been rubbing bone to bone. So he, they said they gave him the same MRI. You need from bone to bone since the first MRI. Right. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. If you would have came and seen me after the first two, which the doctor should have told you. The doctor should have just told you, like, hey, if you need body, you have many issues, you probably need to go in and scope it. He said, well, because they waited so long and had you kept practicing. Because literally, I would, feel it, I would feel it like rubbing almost every day. Like a, like a terrible burning sensation. Couldn't walk. Literally could barely walk every day after practice. He said they would have they uh, uh, had you come. He said they would have gave you a scope after week two. You would have been fine, but now they waited so long after doing microfracture. So 60% chance you come back to be the same uh, player that you were, you know? So I, that, so I went in, gave me a microfracture. I missed 10, 10 months. 
And he said, Earl can take anywhere from eight, take anywhere from eight months to a year and a half. But the microfracture, you just never know. And I even communicated with them that my knee was still bothering me after 10 months. I went back to practice. I trained to camera practice for three days. After three days, I couldn't walk. Yeah. This is when it finally clicked. I walked in there. I said, hey, Chris Paduzzi was the head trainer. I said, Paduzzi, man, I, I, I can barely walk today. Like, I think my knee is really messed up again. He says, well, hey, can you practice? And it finally clicked. I said, y'all don't, y'all don't care about me. Clearly, like, y'all, care, y'all don't care at all about my, my well-being. So I should finally. I'm doing, like, literally the only reason I've been practicing and doing this is so y'all won't be, literally, so y'all, I'm, you know, the kind of person I am, you know. Right. I'm like, so y'all won't be mad at me, but I'm, I'm telling, I'm communicating with y'all how much pain I'm in every single day of my life. And there's no pain pill. Y'all that's don't gonna, care. There's no pain pill yeah. or shot that's going to be able to help you practice or play with nah. any kind of regularity. Nah, and I was taking, I was taking pain pills literally every day to the point that I'm not saying I was getting addicted at all. Nah, I'm not. I'm not cause I, don't have, I never had an addiction to, mm-hmm. to pills. But it was like, yo, this makes me feel bad. Like my knee feel better. Yeah. Like so every day, you know. Well, you were doing what you had to do to get on the field. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, I, so of course, three three days. I, oh yeah. So then I told him I said I'm not practicing until I feel 100. percent So the same about it, Dr. Andrews after like 10 days because I was feeling the same. Another surgery. Before Dr. Andrews had surgery, he started asking me like, "Earl, I have to cut you twice in the same year after microfracture. Yeah. More than likely, you won't be able to play football anymore." You know, I'm like, "Nah, Doc. Like, we're not going. We're not going to talk like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. I've been keeping the faith this entire time through this entire process." Trusting God's process and God's plan. You know, I'm like, this is not going to be in my career. He says, well, if you say it that way, I believe you. So he went to surgery. I missed another six months. Just literally rehabbing, rehabbing. I ended up working out for Jacksonville, signed with Jacksonville. Um, thank God they didn't make me run the 40 because I could, I could barely run, just to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't run that fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, go to Jacksonville. Every day, even when I was in Jacksonville, remember OTA training camp. I'm, I'm walking out to practice, and my knee is hurting. Walking out to practice, I'm like, yeah, I really want to retire right now. I can't even, I can't even. I'm not even the player. I'm not even half of the player I was right now. You know how my knee is feeling every day. Yeah. Then I tore my hamstring. <laughs> I tore oh, my overcompensating. Hamstring. Yeah. Training camp. Yes. Yeah. And even with my mindset and mentality, just how I live my life, I'm like, wow, I tore my hamstring. It's terrible, but this gives me more time to rehab my knee. I always find the smallest positive. Like, look, I can barely walk, but I'm like, now I can go back to which is my, which is one of my best friends in Miami. He's a probably arguably the best PT. He's definitely the best physical therapist in South Florida, one of the best in the world. Everybody comes see him. His name is Dr. Reed, one of my best friends. I did rehab with him, and I literally sent Dr. Andrews. I remember after like maybe after like four months, I sent him uh, videos. Well, I sent him videos of me doing a single leg hop on a box jump, like. 40 inches with yeah. the same knee. You know, I have to be having a Dr. Reese. Thing is, you know, NC State, I have the most career games played in NC State history. Didn't miss one game in my career. You know? So it's like, this is, a, of course, a completely different for me. I signed with Washington. Knee still bothered me, but had some aggravate, some hamstring issues still. Look, a little tiny bit came back. They released me, went to Indianapolis. And I'm pra- I'm having an amazing pra- I'm practicing. It's, going, it's, it's great. Making plays. T.Y. McGill was there with me. Yeah. Earl, bro, you were making T.Y. was there, Earl, but you gonna make this team. I'm like, bro, it's about time. I'm finally feeling great. But I had just got there, and they are rushing. And I had a whole little regimen I would do because I come in with this regimen where my knee would feel pretty good, you know. My body would feel great. And one day, uh, he was like, I need you to stand up for a little while longer because I need you just to learn these, learn these plays for you to practice. And I didn't do my regimen. I went out to practice the day for the preseason game, and I'm, and I'm running on kickoff, and I pulled my hamstring. I'm like, no way. Like, this is when it finally hit me, like, wow, like, I don't. I just don't think this is what God wants me to do right now. Yeah. And it sucked. 
because I know the kind of player I could. I know the kind of player I could be. You know, when I'm healthy and I was finally feeling great, and I pulled my hamstring, and the next day with the preseason game, I'm like, wow, like, do I just tell them they'll release me for sure if I tell them right now? I'm like, forget it. I'll play tomorrow with a pulled hamstring. <laughs> literally, so that that day for the game, with day of the game, I would literally rub tiger bomb on my hamstring. Like I could, I couldn't even, I couldn't jog without it, without it pulling. Like it was like pulling, painful jog, and I'm like, wow, I'm about to play. I literally rubbed tiger bomb on my hamstring, praying, and I went out there. And I felt, I literally the first play, they put, I was on punt. I felt it tear. I'm like, wow, like this is probably my last game, of my career, which is my injuries and everything, everything going on in my, just how my injuries now, everything's going. Probably my last game, so I played my whole, that whole game with a torn hamstring. Yeah, I probably, I said, this is probably it. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out <laughs> like a G. Literally, my hamstring is torn. Uh, probably my last game, but I'll be able to tell, just tell people like, if you can't never question my heart. That's one thing I feel like. Even when I was in NC State, Tom O'Brien called me uh, uh, the heart of the defense. Yeah. You know, yeah. You can't never. One thing you can never question is my effort and my heart. You know. Uh, so I went out there and actually had a great game. <laughs> I had a great game to the point where they wanted to sign me, but my hamstring injury was so bad. Yeah, man. So that was the end of my career for the most part. How long after that did it take you to realize what you wanted to do and, and that you wanted to get into being a trainer and a life coach? It took me a while, man, and I already had mentally prepared because of just how my knee was. Like I mm-hmm. felt, because I, I ended up going, I ended up going to um, Cleveland. They was about to sign me on the fifty-three, literally. Like, worked out me and a couple guys. Worked out me and like ten guys. Kept me and two other guys. After the two guys they signed, they were about to sign me, and the doctor felt my physical off an X-ray on my knee, and my knee was feeling good. Then, you know, that's when I was like, "Yes, yeah, over." But I already kind of knew mentally, like, where I'm, like, where I was gonna have to retire soon. So I was already kind of mentally like ready, like, okay, what's next? And I still was wasn't ready when I got done. It took me like a year and a half, literally just sitting around trying to figure it out. One of my best friends, I ended up, I was, I worked him out one day. He was like, "Yo, Earl, this is what you should do." You know, I'm like, "You see it? You think so?" Like, you'll be great at it, you know. And then one of my other one of my other friends that lived in my building, he trains a lot of big time people in Miami. His name is uh, Anthony Rhodes. And me and him sat down one day. We was grabbing we was grabbing some uh, food, and he he was telling me what he made. You know, I'm not gonna say the numbers, but it was like you can make that much training, make a living, what? right? Literally, like like live the best way you want. I live whatever whatever way you want to live. Yeah. You know, you can maximize like your profit, like. I'm not going to say how much I make right now, but I charge 120 an hour, you know? And sometimes I train two or three people at one time, like three times a week minimum. So just, just and I do it because I love it, not for the money. The money just comes, you know? And he, uh, we thought, you know, Earl, I do this. He was like, but Earl, you have the personality. You have the background, former NFL player. He said, people love you. He was like, bro, if you, he said, if you, this is really what, if this is really what you want to do, you can make whatever you want to make. I'm like, okay. And that, that day, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. And it started off kind of slow, which is supposed to, you know? Clientele, this is what you do. And it just picked up super fast, super, super fast. Because I feel like in this day and age, it's all about, it's not about what you know, it's who you know, you know? And with me moving into Miami, especially, I met so many people, you know? When I train, literally, they call me the mayor at the building I live in. Just <laughs> because of my personality. That doesn't surprise you know? anyone who knows you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like literally, I'm I'm super close with the ballet, super close with the front desk, the cleaning ladies. We all we love each other. We speak, you know. Just I treat everybody the same, you know, uh, with love and respect. And then life coaching happened. Yeah, the life coach part feels like a a natural extension, perhaps of of the training, but it also. I mean, I, not everyone knows your story from 2016 yeah. when you were robbed and, and kidnapped, taken in basically yes, a hostage situation. Uh, I don't know if that 
it you know changed you or a part of your life to the point where you felt like you wanted to help people or you know based on what i know about you you were probably always wired based on my, what i know about your mom sharon and and, and her military yeah. background you've always kind of been wired to help people but i'm curious to how that incident traumatic incident shaped you know what you're doing now with your adult life it's crazy because you know people ask me all the time like earl like was at that time and point you were like you thought like maybe i should you know, did, did, how much did it change you? Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm still, the, like, like, literally, I'm still the same person I was before the incident. I, it just showed me that I couldn't. So I look at myself as being normal, right, always. Like, yeah, it's like, for me, like, yeah, I play in the NFL, but I'm, it, but it, to me, it's such a humble experience for me. It's like, I'm just like you, you know, like, because I play, because I, because I have this type of status or I make this amount of money does not make me better than anybody, you know, literally. And that's how I live my life. But other people don't view me that way, you right. know? Well, you were back so in Fayetteville at the time, too, right? Exactly, yeah, back in Fayetteville. So people don't view me that way. How I look at myself, people don't view me that way. So I was still hanging with, you know, not, you know, I never, you know, I never done a drug in my life, never smoked nothing in my life. Um, I had my first drink at 22, and I still drink socially, you know? So I've always been like, and that's, I get paid to my mom for that, you know? I've yeah. always been just, character has been everything from the character, personality, and being different, standing out, not being how society tells you you should be. Or doing things society tells you you should do. You know, always been that way. I was at my, I was at, I just got back home to North Carolina, and I was visiting my friend at his girlfriend's house. I was playing cards, just having fun. It was one of my friend's birthdays, you know. I'm not thinking I'm gonna get robbed and kidnapped after, you know. Right. But it just showed me like when I when I so you know when I it showed me like even now when I go home I don't tell people I'm home. I might tell three people I'm home, you know, three of my best friends. And not people. I, I know people aren't after me at all. Like I have no issues back home. Never had issues back home. Even in that situation, they wouldn't even try to get me. They had a problem with my friend. And I was walking out of the house when they were trying to get my friend, you know? Right. I wasn't even a target. I didn't even, I, you know, of course, I had no clue he even had an issue. Because if I knew, if I knew, well, somebody had an issue with him, I wouldn't even went to his girlfriend's house. Right. I told him I wouldn't even go to his house. But going back to how that incident shaped me, and literally, I've always found the positive of everything. You know, Rod, kidnapped, went for help. I have another group of guys put guns out on me. And people like, Earl, like, how'd you feel after? And I say, the positive I found of it, and the way I look at it is, I'm like, yo, literally, I prayed my way through the entire situation. God showed me, like, what he can do. Like, like literally, he showed me who he is, which he, he always has. You know, he showed me when you call his name, he's always there. He did, like, for example, I, I learned, also learned this, you know, as, just, as I grew, he didn't put me in that situation. He wasn't the reason I was in that situation. But when I called on him, he was there. You know, he was there. So it made my faith unbreakable. So even just life lessons got me to life coaching. I've always been a life coach. Like people that, you know what I'm saying? Like people that I talk to daily, they know I'm, I'm all, I've always been a life coach or a, ther a therapist. Been doing it for free. <laughs> Literally just <laughs> off of who I am, helping people. You know, my goal every day is to touch somebody, to motivate, to inspire. So literally it just happened with, a, with one of my, or what, with a guy I know just asking me, like telling me, like, Earl, I think you should do this. I just fire mine and I want you to be a life coach for me. You know, and I literally got to it that way. And I have a couple clients already without even like announcing this is what I do. People don't even know. And I do this. I said it's super early, um, but one of my guys that I life coach, he had, he's had therapist for ten years. Just thought like yo, I just just never thought he would change or anybody could help him change. And we've been going now for almost a, might be a month and two days, and uh, we can have to go. He texted me and said, "Earl, you changed my life. I never thought I could change, and you changed my life already." I'm way, I'm the most confident I've, I've ever been. I'm not even depressed anymore. He was suffering from depression. Um, anxiety, and now he's a he just he's a, I to my, every time I talk to my mom now, she's just so surprised at who I am. That's awesome. You know, and that makes me feel great. You know, 
So it's it's amazing. And it's most importantly, I'm doing things that I love to do, you know, so I can't thank God more. I'm I can't be more thankful, you know. I'm doing things that I love to do. Before I close with Earl Wolf, I just want to thank Rusty Helser for his production work. And of course, Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for sponsoring Pack Therapy. We have a new episode each Monday. You can catch it on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or check us out at WRALsportsfan.com. Please subscribe and follow so you don't miss an episode. Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority, no mosquitoes, no pests, no contracts, guaranteed. If you are in the Triangle, Sandhills, or Fayetteville, check them out at BugsBite.com. All right, Earl. I've been told by a source... That one of those things that you love to do is uh, when there's a uniform unveil for Adidas for yeah. NC State. So, some people, there's always a visor involved, but some people may or may not know that's you. That has You're been the been model. That has been there a couple of times, you know. Um, I have gotten a phone call yeah. asking, to, you know, asking to be somewhat of a model for NC State in, 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 in the uniforms. And I do anything for my Wolfpack. People know, you know, I love my Wolfpack. Bleed red and white every day, all day. Uh, I even have an, I don't know if you know, I have a iced out NC State air ring that I wear. They, or not daily, whenever I go out, those people know, yeah. you know. But yeah, so I have been that model a couple of times. Well, it would make sense for the Wolf to model the new uniforms for the Wolf. But hey, man, at 31 now, I got to tell you, um, those uniforms aren't for you anymore. They're for they're for the younger players. So uh. I don't know, man. <laughs> I wish we could have worn those uniforms. They are crazy fire. Like we, like, I, every time me and Dave watch the game, we're like, yo, why couldn't we wear something like that? You know, or, not for us, you know. I know, I know. Uh, hey, I'm I'm way older than you, so I, 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 every time they come out with a new one of those things, I'm like, ah, just wear the red and white, and people are like, doesn't matter. <laughs> What you think, it's what what it's what recruits think. Uh, follow him on yeah, E yeah. Wolf E W O L F F twenty eight on the Twitters. Great to catch up with you, man. If it feels like it's been a minute, and you you were always one of those players who who put up with my nonsense in your during your career. We had a lot of good, uh, I'll say, good conversations. I know not all of them were great for you, um, but uh, <laughs> you, you know I always appreciate your time. And of course, best of luck to you with all your ventures down there in Miami. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, it never was nonsense. It's always good vibes and good energy, regardless of the losses, the wins, the situations. You know, uh, I appreciate you, man. Um, like I said, it's always been nothing but love and respect. That's what it'll always be. Uh, go Pack. Uh, always. All day, every day.